Hello friends and welcome to part two in our three-part series for this quarter's lesson one and two review. As you know, we are looking at education this quarter and last week we focused on education in the Garden of Eden and this week we are looking at the family. We'll get right into it as we focus today on Monday's review and Monday's review is entitled The Childhood of Jesus. Friends, have you ever wondered, like I do, what Jesus' childhood may have been like? Even though we don't know much, it's safe to assume that he would have allowed himself to be taught truths by his parents. And I'd say truths which he would already have known by virtue of his pre-existence as the creator of the universe, right? I think about some of the characteristics he would have displayed. I say that because it is typical for us as parents to attempt to, how, how I'd say this now, to inculcate in our children the characteristics that we have honed over the years. So, for example, when we think about Joseph, that's Jesus' earthly father, we think about his obedience and sense of honor and responsibility, you know, not to put away his fiance, though she was pregnant with a child that wasn't his. We think about him um, teaching Jesus to be responsible, how to earn an honest living by teaching him a vocation as a carpenter. You know, during my studies, I also learned that most families in Nazareth would also have a strip of land which they farmed for their immediate needs. I believe Joseph taught his son, Jesus, how to farm the land, and so it's not surprising to me that Jesus used these farming images in many of his discourse because of his intimate knowledge of farming and, uh, and farming his family's land as a young man. He, he must have known also what it felt like after a hard day of work at the fields because he used these analogies. For example, in Matthew 11 and verse 28, he says, Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yeah, I think he spent time on the farm. Again, during my studies, I learned that it was also the duty of a Jewish father to teach his son the ways of the faith. And so... Before Jesus went to school in the synagogue, I'm sure Joseph would have provided his elementary religious training. Joseph would have also probably taught Jesus a sense of self, you know, self-worth, self-being. Because in the Jewish tradition, a person's lineage was determined by, you know, one's legal father. And Joseph is called a son of David and because he adopted Jesus, Jesus too would claim lineage from David. So Joseph would have taught Jesus a sense of, of self. And then we think about Mary. You know, how did Mary contribute to Jesus's teaching or learning rather? You know, when we think about Mary, we think about her obedience and her humility to accept the will of God to bear the savior of the world, despite her unwed state. 
we get a glimpse of her character in, in Luke 1, verses 26, all the way up to 50, 55, 56, when the angel tells her, you have found favor with God. And Mary shows her obedience to God's wishes by saying in verse 38, I am the servant of the Lord. Let this happen to me as you say. Such, such a quiet but, but firm acceptance of her situation. If you think about it, friends, this acceptance would have come at a great risk to Mary. Because outside of the public shame, right, that she would have faced, she would know how to face her fiancé with this incredible story. Now, I don't know about you, but if I went to my fiancé with this kind of pregnancy story, he would either, he would either denounce me as a, as a pathological liar and fornicator, or he would think I'm a few pumpkins short of a full pie. <laughs> In other words, <clears throat> he would think I was stark raving mad. But Mary didn't doubt the angel's message. As a matter of fact, she gave 100% acceptance. So I can see her teaching Jesus about obedience and humility and, and courage in the face of danger. And you know why I said that? Because years later in Luke 22 and, and verse 42, Luke would paint a picture <clears throat> of a suffering savior in the garden of Gethsemane. And I can imagine as he prayed and the tears streamed down his face, you could hear the pain in Jesus' voice as he realized the hour of his death was near. And just the imminent separation from his heavenly father was so much to bear that Jesus cried, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. And then with true humility and obedience, I can hear Jesus echo, echoing the sentiments of his mother some 32 years ago. Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Yes, like mommy, Jesus uttered a quiet but firm acceptance of the situation. Um, I can see Mary teaching him not to place emphasis on public opinions about what people might think about him or his character or his family circles. Yeah, I could tell because of his humble beginnings, people didn't give him any ratings. People didn't give Jesus any ratings. Check out what Matthew 13 and verse 54 to 58 shows us. Let me read it for you. <clears throat> and when he was come into his own country, that's Jesus, he taught them in their synagogue in so much that they were astonished. It didn't say they marveled. It didn't say they were pleased. They were astonished and said, whence hath this man, this wisdom and this mighty works? In other words, where get this wisdom from? How comes he knows so much? Then they added in, in, in verse 55, is this not the carpenter's son? I can imagine the emphasis was on, on the word carpenter is this not the carpenter's son is not his mother called mary and his brethren james and joseph and simon and judas and his sisters are they not all with us hmm? whence then had this man all these things in short we didn't hear of him going to cambridge or, or, or harvard or or reading for his doctorate at andrews university so where joseph boy come talking to us like this <laughs> the scripture says, and they were of 
offended in him. They were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. You know how it is in some communities when you have a child from a, from a poor family, right? That, that studies hard and makes grades and then comes back home to visit family and friends. You always have a set of bad-minded people who just can't accept the fact that the child turned out good. You don't believe me? Yes, man. They'll say things like, what does he think? Does he think he's, he's better than us now? Is, is who him? What is, what is he trying to prove? You know, kind of reminds me of a childhood friend of my brother. You know, we used to call him Billy Bayou. Well, um, Billy Bayou had the opportunity to visit some relatives in the U.S. one summer. Of course, you know, friends, back in those days, when someone went to the U.S., it was like going to heaven. Um, everybody would dress up and go with the person to the airport. And we'd head to that, to the waving gallery. Those things don't exist anymore, you know, but we'd head to the waving gallery and we'd watch as the person walk the short distance across the tarmac and into the plane. And all the while we'd be waving like crazy. And you know, if you were lucky, the person might turn around just before entering the plane, you know, to wave back, not directly at you because in that distance, they couldn't figure out who you were, but they would, they would sometimes turn and, and wave back, you know, and we'd see the person being taken up into the clouds and out of sight. Well, man, if that wasn't being transported to heaven, I don't know what is. Anyway, uh, Billy Bayou, I was telling you the story, he went away for the summer, just the summer. And by the time Billy Bayou got back, about two months later, we were all waiting, me, my sisters and my brother, it was my brother's friend, we were all waiting in anticipation of the tall tales that he would tell us. But Billy Bayou turns up at our gate and the first thing out of his mouth on seeing my brother and us girls was, oh my, you guys have really grown. The last time I saw y'all, you were just tots. Uh, needless, you know, needless to say, we were so turned off by his demeanor, right? This raggedy boy who grew up with us tossing marbles in one summer, just two months away, he was behaving like a Texan and we would have none of it. Yes, of course, I guess we were a little bad-minded as well. Anyway, so Mary would have taught her son, you know, do your thing. Not everyone's going to like you. Don't expect praises from people in this town. Just remember that daddy and I love you and, and we believe in you and your mission. And so the scripture tells us in verse 58, and he did not many mighty works there. That's in Nazareth because of the people's unbelief. So did Jesus didn't sit around and sulk and wonder why, why, why are people not accepting me here? He just didn't do his miracles. He went other. He, he went somewhere else. You know. You know. It didn't affect him at all. He he just moved on. You know. So that's another thing I know Mary would have taught him. I also can see her teaching him to let his word be his bond, and to speak boldly and with authority. I can see her saying or hear her saying, "Son, I trust your word. I trust you that whatever the problem is." You can find a solution. And you know, friends, she had a chance to prove that. In John 2, John chapter 2, it reads like this. On the third day, a wedding took place at Canaan in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. 
When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. You know, it's like me saying to my son when I just started out, I said, look, I'll do the podcast. You figure out how to get it to the platforms because that's your speciality. You know, you leave, you leave what you know to your children. So, 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 so Mary comes and says, they have no more wine. And Jesus says, woman, why, why are you involving me? My hour has not yet come. And then Mary turns to the servants and she says, do whatever he tells you. In other words, she's saying, I know my son. We have an understanding. He's just trying to be tough, but he's really a softy. Just listen when he tells you what to do. So Jesus acts on it. The scripture tells us in verse 6, it says, Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And so they did. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have drunk too much. But you have said the best until now. What Jesus did here, the scripture says, in Cana of Galilee was a first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, verse 12, after this he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples and they stayed there for a few days. But do you know what I find fascinating about this story? We're still talking about the family here and education. Let me tell you what I find fascinating about this story. Mary comes to Jesus with a problem. As far as the scripture records, Jesus hadn't performed a miracle before. So it's not like she knows what he was about to do. But she trusts her son based on her knowledge of what she has imparted, based on her knowledge of who he is, she trusts that he can find a solution. Let me ask, how many times have we as parents pushed our children in the limelight and expect them to sail on the sea of life without even giving them a set of oars or even a compass, which is the word of God, that they can navigate their way with? But Mary and Joseph had trained Jesus. Mary knew he was no ordinary man. So she, she simply shared her concerns at the wedding and tells others, follow his lead. I'd like to think that while Mary was training Jesus as a child and as a young man, there was so much that she too was learning from him. She knew enough to know that it was not her place to tell Jesus what to do or how to do it. She knew enough to know that she needed to listen when he spoke and to be content to trust God's plan without knowing even the finer details. You see, for me, was a young boy. Mary knew her son was different. Luke in chapter 2 writes that, that Jesus grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom. And again, that, that he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. That's in verse 32. 
You see, Jesus adapted well to education in his home. After all, his parents were his teachers as well. I have no doubt that that wisdom was also gradually being imparted to him by the Spirit, though the Gospel makes no mention that the Spirit descended on him until he was baptized as a young adult. But we know the Spirit was with him because his knowledge and Jesus' understanding would soon surpass that of his parents and even the rabbis, and he would end up teaching them how to follow God. Um, in the same passage that I was talking about um, just now in Luke chapter 2, we see the story of Jesus and, and his parents making the Passover um, trip. You can read it with me in Luke chapter 2, reading from verse um, 41. It says, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother, that's Mary, did not know it. But supposing him to be in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they didn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now it was so that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, that's parents, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did he seek me? Did he not know that I must be about my father's business? But they didn't understand the statement which he spoke. They didn't fully understand that they had a God-man on their hands. Question is, what do we see when we look at our children? Do we see in them all that we wanted to become? In other words, have we created what I'd like to call little minions or stirred our passion in them so much so that all they can become is what we dictate they should be? Or have we sought to bring them up in the fear of the Lord, which um, as Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, you know, the fear of the Lord is a beginning of knowledge. The lesson puts it this way. Christian education is a commitment to educating families and members in what? In doctrine, worship, instruction, fellowship, evangelism, and service. Home is where you minister to family members about the love and promise of God. It is where Jesus is introduced to children as their Lord and Savior and friend, and where the Bible is upheld as the Word of God. Family is where you model what a healthy relationship with our Heavenly Father looks like. Wonderful. We'll do one further, rather brief review of this week's lesson as we peel away the layers of this beautiful subject of education. You can tell I love it. Christian education, that's what we're talking about. And we'll see what the Bible teaches. God bless you. <music>